Good morning. I'm Bonnie Hawthorne of BR Hawthorne Teaches, and we would like to welcome you today um, to our little mini podcast. Um, again, I'm here with my husband, George. Hello. How are you doing this morning? I'm wonderful. Thank you, George. Uh, so this week, we're going to also continue to talk about locations and negotiating. Um, it's very important once you find a location to negotiate uh, different aspects of the lease. When you talk about searching and taking a lease for a commercial building, you don't get what you want. You get what you negotiate. And that's a key component because every aspect of the negotiation has an economic cost to it. Okay, so we're going to talk about what uh, to look for when you're looking for your location, such as uh, parking accessibility, traffic counts, ADA compliance, and surrounding businesses. When you start looking at the location for your particular business use, particularly as a venue, you've not, you have a lot of key components that you must be able to comply with. One is parking accessibility. You have to make sure that there's enough parking for the facility to accommodate the number of guests that you anticipate would be using it for. Parking is essential. Um, I often get, because I'm in a downtown historical location and people are always asking me about parking. Where can we park? Thank goodness we do have a parking uh, location, garage, not even a block from us. And there is parking um, that's easily accessible around our venue. So that is truly a key component. People do not want to walk in the rain. They do not want to walk three or four blocks to access your facility. So you want to make sure that you have enough parking spaces and ample parking around uh, your venue location. Okay. And traffic counts. When you, when you start looking at a business location, you've got to understand what is it going to take for you to advertise to get people to come there. And I always go to some of the key factors of traffic counts because traffic counts are how many cars go past that location on a daily basis that people can see. That's a form of advertising that you don't pay for. And you see that it's, it's very instrumental as how you get your retail traffic. Also, you can go to your chamber of commerce, um, your zoning. They also have the traffic count information uh, for your surrounding area. And if you start looking for other resources to find traffic counts, you would go to the city's uh, uh, basically public works or traffic department. You'd also, if you're on a state highway or a state road, go to the state department of transportation, which regularly has uh, up-to-date traffic counts for each one of the roads within their system. <clears throat> okay. So now we're going to discuss accessibility. Yes, accessibility to the uh, location. You don't want something that's off a beaten path that you've got to go behind and through the over the river and through the woods to get through to, to your location because that directly impacts how many people see your location that are driving past and how they get there. Also, when we talk about accessibility, you not only want it to be easy accessible for your clients, but also your employees. Uh, if they don't have cars or you know their own automobiles, they need to be able to access public transportation to get to work. So that is something you definitely want to take in account. And when you start looking at a location, you've got there's one key component that you really must look at is the American Disabilities Act shortly uh, commonly known as the ADA compliance 
And if you look at the American Disabilities Act, which is a federal law that states that every building and commercial building has to be accessible to people with disabilities and lack of mobility. Also, to piggyback on that, George, some buildings, if you're in historical districts, can be grandfathered in, whereas um, they don't have they don't have ADA compliance. And if a building was built before a certain period, um, then you can certainly um, forgo the ADA compliance. But as a business owner, you want to make it easily accessible as you can for your uh, clients. And it's very important because that could have legal and economic implications. For example, if you get into a building and you have lack of accessibility to people with disabilities, you could actually have a disabled person sue the business and or the landowner to uh, make this ADA compliant. And that has legal implications and financial implications. Right. Um, we and, and to piggyback, that, I'll just share an experience that we had uh, about ADA compliance. Um, I did have a, a client come in, re, uh, look at the space, put down their uh, retainer. Um, and then their decorator, which was another family member, came in and says, hey, this space is not going to work because both the mother and sister are wheelchair bound. However, the client had already came in, viewed the space, saw that it was an ADA compliant that um, and put the retainer down. So it, to appease everybody and to make sure that, you know, we were respectful of the parents, we did give uh, 50% of the retainer back. But please be aware, if your building is grandfathered in, um, we we were aware of it because we went to zoning. Zoning provided us the information. Uh, but, <clears throat> excuse me, but this is something that's very important um, that you understand ADA compliances. Okay. In the next area that you want to look at in your uh, search for a venue location is what are businesses are surrounding there? Because the type of businesses that are around there directly impact the type of people that will see your location. For example, <coughs> a location that's in a strip center that is anchored by a grocery store or a high traffic retail location. Is a, is a much better fit if you're trying to attract people to come in because your walk-in traffic will be driven by the businesses that are surrounding them. Okay. Um, one thing for me, um, when I'm looking at that, I also, because I'm a little compulsive, I will also go to the location that I am considering um, at multiple times throughout the day to see what the foot traffic is, the... Um, you know, people's coming and going. So I will go morning, noon, and evening just to see, you know, who's coming, how many people are coming. So I do my uh, due diligence myself as well. And as you know, it also has a lot of uh, impact on the type of people that will see your venue as the first time. For example, if you're located near a retail grocery store you know people that will go there on a day-to-day -day basis to get their food will see your building however if you're located for example next to a strip club or a adult entertainment business that may not be the clientele that you're looking for or be less likely to utilize your services exactly 
Okay, so now we're going to move into negotiating your lease, which is so important. Um, oh, I'm sorry. We're going to go back and we're going to talk about the condition of the property. When you start looking at a potential location for a venue, you must also go through, inspect that place and figure out what you need to do to make it conducive for the type of atmosphere and brand that you're trying to attract as clients. This is also where you can uh, upgrade um, your venue to be in compliance with ADA. You can also see if there's any major faults or uh, water damage or anything like that to the property. Yes, I mean, there's a business is run by in their locations. And what you have to look at when you're seeking a location is what are the downside risks of this property? What do you have to do to bring it into compliance? And, and also, what do you need to do to make it a brand worthy of your, of your desires? And also, the condition also, you, you want to consider, like, if you need to expand, is there opportunities for expansion and growth uh, when you're looking at this building? This is something to consider. Yes. Uh, I think that you look at the uh, condition as probably one of the most important aspects because it has the biggest financial implications because the cost of renovation of a thing could cost anywhere between, you know, a couple of hundred dollars to several hundred thousand dollars, depending upon what you're trying to do and what you're starting with. That's so true, George, because do you remember the building that we looked out, looked at that we wanted to have a higher count? and it needed um, sprinkler systems that we passed on that building because it needed sprinkler systems and sprinkler systems are highly expensive. Yes, absolutely. For a cost, for example, a sprinkler system in a building could cost you $4 a square foot in a 10,000 square foot building. That's $40,000. Exactly. Uh, so now we're going to go on to negotiating the lease, which is so very important because you want to be able to make sure that you're you're expending your resources in all the proper areas. When you start talking about negotiating a lease, you've got to understand that real estate is a business and property owners are in the business of making money. And the way they make money is to take it from you as a renter or as a tenant. So the things that you must look at in negotiating a lease are very key because, again, I can't emphasize, you know, any more than, you know, you don't get what you want. You get what you negotiate. And to start before you start looking at before we get into negotiation of lease, let's talk about the types of leases. You have three major types of leases that are pertinent to a venue. First one is a gross lease, which you pay, which is a gross lease is a lease where your rental payment covers your total cost of occupation, as opposed to the second type, which is a triple net lease. A triple net lease is where you have a base rent, but you also pay a percentage of the cost of ownership of the uh, building and those costs of ownership that that are in a triple net lease are usually your taxes and insurance. Those are expenses to the owner of the building, but they pass through those expenses to you within your lease. And 
you want to try to avoid that as much as possible or at best limit your exposure on that. The third type of lease, which is probably the best lease if you could get into, but the hardest to negotiate is a percentage lease where that you pay your landlord a percentage of the gross income, gross or net income of your business. So those are the three types of leases that you most likely like to get involved with. But majority of people are paying um, the gross or the triple. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. The majority of people are, are paying gross leases or triple net leases. And when you start looking at the, the uh, gross lease, you need to consider what is that rent rate? What is the rent as opposed to what the rest of the uh, market is determined that rent rate be. For example, a building in a typical urban area in a retail environment could cost you anywhere between $15 to $35 per square foot per year. And you want to make sure that if you're negotiating in that area, what are the other businesses that are similarly situated paying and to make sure that you're not paying more than that. And in best case, that you negotiate a rate that's much lower than that. Okay. So um, in saying that, uh, what do you negotiate? I mean, you have rent allowances, you have tenant allowances, you have maintenance and repair allowances. And so we're going to go over that a little bit for you because I know, for instance, when I, and and I'll be honest with you guys, I was never a hard, fast negotiator until I married George. Um, so his thing is always, you don't get what you ask for, you negotiate it. You get what you negotiate. Exactly. And, uh, I used to be this kind of person, I would just cringe at having to negotiate or ask people to give me a reduction in this, but I have become such a master at it. And I'm so proud of myself. And again, I attribute that to George. Um, so what we're going to say here is, um, we're going to talk about, um, Rent concessions. Well, when you start talking about rent concessions, there's multiple type of rent concessions. And when I say rent concessions, those are the things that you can negotiate with the owner that reduces your financial exposure on that building, particularly when you get into the startup phase of that building. So what I call a rent concession would be, say, if you leased a building and you're able to negotiate where you get the first 30, 90 days, 30 to 90 days in free rent that allows you to get into the building, do the basic upgrades and the basic maintenance and repairs that you want, and to also start attracting business to start driving revenue. And if you can negotiate free rent in those first periods would be very much uh, to your benefit. So I know when I negotiated for the building that I am currently leasing, I did negotiate uh, 60 days of free rent. And then I also negotiated where I would be paying a certain amount of rent for the first year. And then therefore, thereafter, it would increase um, so many dollars per year, which was still, you know, a great savings to me and allowed me um, and my business to grow and to become sustainable. And the way that you could do that and where they won't give you free rent, maybe you pay 25% for the of the rent rate for the first month, half of the rent rate for the second month, and then go to three quarters of rent for the third month. But anything that you could save on those first initial month, 
else is to your benefit and that allows you to utilize that capital into your uh, office, into your uh, venture. So tenant allowances. Tenant allowances is a basically a rent. Uh, well, I won't call it rent. It's basically an owner's contribution to fixing the build his property to your benefit. <clears throat> and it's easy and sometimes to be, it makes a lot of sense for a a landlord to contribute money for capital improvements to your business that are going to improve the value of his property. For example, if you're in a place and you, it needs electrical upgrades, you should try to negotiate the owner to pay for that electrical upgrades because at the end of the day, when you leave that building, he still has that improvement and that improvement improves his value. It doesn't improve your value. It just makes your space usable for what you need. So you try to look at things that you're going to need to improve the property to get it to the condition that you need and see if you could have the owner pay for some of those as part of it. And what they typically would do is, okay, I'm not going to pay for it. You pay for it, but I'll give you free rent in any amount that will cover that. And that could be a, 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 an advantage to you also. So for me, what I have negotiated with my landlord is that uh, every year we'll try to do some kind of repairs or upgrades to the building. He pays a certain percentage. I pay a per certain percentage. And it, I, honestly, it, it works out tremendously for us. And um, it just keeps improving the the aesthetics of our building. And um, we're able to bring in more clients uh, by doing that. And that's a great segue until we start talking about in the lease negotiations, maintenance and repair responsibilities. Who is responsible if the roof leaks? Who is responsible if the electric doesn't work? What happens if a window is broken? What happens if the plumbing stops up? Those things have got to be uh, covered within your negotiation and within the lease contract. And I would say on this one, you need to be a hard, fast negotiator because I'm telling you, if the air conditioning unit goes out, hefty cost, hefty cost. Uh, for instance, we have floor to ceiling windows. If someone was to break those, it, it's just it would just be, um, you know, a real hard uh financial burden for us. So you really want to negotiate these even down to, um, for instance, um, who is responsible for fire extinguisher maintenance? Who is responsible for the exit signs and, and things of that nature? So you want to make a full list of any maintenance issues that you think that can come, um, uh, that you might be confronted with and negotiate that and make sure once you negotiate it, it's in your lease, go back and review your lease prior to signing it. Um, there has been some uh, clients of mine who have negotiated something for maintenance repairs, signed the lease, then the, something happens, they go back and say, okay, you need to do this. And the percentage was changed in the lease. So, um, and it may have been an error or whatever, but still you want to always cover yourself. When you, every major property owner that's trying to rent you a building, their first option is going to be for you to take the building in as is condition. That should be a red flag from the beginning because if, to take a building and as is basically says that you're accepting the condition of this property and anything other than that condition is on you. 
And so you need to make sure that you clearly understand through either a property inspection or a condition report that from either a third party uh, subcontractor or get someone who's knowledgeable about the the building uh, industry to look at a building, review that, see what's wrong, what needs to be repaired, and then make sure that's covered within your lease negotiations. Also, um, another thing is you can also go to the utility companies and ask them for the utility bills for the for the last year or two years. And if there have been great fluctuations, um, you may want to have someone to come out and review it because there may be a water leak. Um, there may be some electrical issues in the building. So that's another avenue to research uh, if something may be wrong with um, the uh, utilities or plumbing in the building. The other area that you need to make sure within this maintenance and uh, uh, conditions issue is what are the common area costs? Who takes care of the common area, the area else? If you're in a facility that has more than one tenant, who takes care of the parking lot? Who cleans the parking lot? Who cleans the uh, hallways? Who cleans the bathrooms of the areas, the common areas that, that you don't fully control where other people's are? coming through that leaves uh, potential cost for repairs and upkeep. Right, exactly. And, and, and trash is always a big factor in that. Um, so who is responsible for the, um, the trash? You know, does, like my landlord, he pays for our trash. He pays for the water. I pay for the electric. I pay for the, um, the uh, internet, uh, but everything else he is responsible for, um, even the outside maintenance. He cuts the grass and makes sure the shrubberies are trimmed and, and things of that nature. So, you know, don't be afraid to negotiate. All they can do at the end of the day is say yay or nay, right? And either way, you're going to feel comfortable knowing that you came out on the side of caution. Well, in, in talking about caution and the side of caution, there is an area of, of real estate that you must be aware of called risk management. And what are the risk management in, in general terms means what type of insurance coverages are in place for catastrophes or unforeseen issues. Very important that the owner maintains the property insurance and the casualty insurance. So if something happens to the building, it's run into by a car, it burns down, Who who's responsible to pay for the repairs? Then there's business liability insurance that is your responsibility uh, for uh, take care of contents, anything that's in there that's stolen and all that. That's the property insurance that you should be covering. And anything for public liability, if someone slips and falls, if someone, you know, has an unforeseen incident within your place, that people will try to, you know, it's a very litigious society and people will try to take you at any point in time that you that they see you slipping. That's so true. And um, once again, that's another thing that I notice a lot of venues do. They operate without insurance and people, you are really setting yourself up for failure if you don't have insurance. I know that you think, OK, oh, my God, I just want to get in here and I want to start my venue. But. If you um, don't have insurance, you're really setting yourself up for failure. And as George said, this is a society where people will sue, 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 and they don't mind taking all that you have. Well, and, and just to 
put an exclamation point on that. Let me give you one instance that we've run across. We had a venue in uh, Pensacola, Florida. We were had a very major party, large, probably 150 person mm. event. And during the event, we had a toilet stop up in one of the bathrooms and started overflowing within the uh, facility. We had a caterer who worked on our property, was providing catering services. She went to the bathroom and came and saw and let us be aware that it's leaking. It's uh, there's water on the floor and potentially a slip hazard. She then came back, told us that we immediately closed down that bathroom and put a caution wet floor sign in front of the door. The same individual went back into that after we had closed down the thing, put the sign up, went back in there and claimed that she had a slip and fall and tried to sue us for $750,000 for slip and fall. You know, that's, that's the type of thing that, that could put a biz, put you out of business. Fortunately, we had liability insurance. We then turned that claim over to the insurance company. They put their lawyers on it and we never heard from that lady again. And of course, she never collected a dime. So this is some of the things that are so important. You may not think about all the, the slippery things that people will do um, to sue you, but th- you're in business, um, so you just m- must protect yourself at all costs. Okay, so that's we're going to wrap it up for this week. And um, so, George, we thank you again for um, popping in here with us and sharing your knowledge and your expertise. We will be back next week. Um, and uh, we hope that you will join us. So have a great day. Once again, we can't say it enough to you. Go out and do your due diligence, cross, dot your I's, cross your T's in order to have a sustainable and successful venue business. All right, guys, have a great week. Bye-bye.